Welcome to my MACD Life, empowered by the Support Sight Foundation. This podcast is about macular degeneration and the devastating impact it has on millions of people and their families every single day, 365 days a year. Our mission is simple, to bring hope, optimism, perspective, and education to our listeners. So tune in, buckle up, and put your listening ears on. My MACD Life podcast is generously supported by Regeneron. Welcome back to My MACD Life. Our host, Jeff Ostroff, and guest, Kira Baldonado, pick up where they left off in part one. I have a few other things that I'm going to want to ask you here, Kira. I'm really curious about these things. I'm sure the listeners would be as well. This is kind of a broad brush question. This podcast, My MACD Life, will be heard by people all over the United States. You talked about the federal legislation. I I know that there's a lot going on now where we're kind of leaving things up to the states. I won't get into details. My question for you is, are you having, from the perspective of prevent blindness, a different impact on states in trying to advance your causes for those with low vision and their families and caregivers? I think at the state level, what really drives it is a sense of readiness. And this is a way that people can become involved. For states to be able to address uh, low vision needs, vision impairment needs, you need to have the state departments ready to really help drive some of that action. You need to have community organizations understanding the need and the readiness to do so. You need to have the data to help drive the allocation of funding, whether that's a grant um, that somebody writes for their program or uh, state budget allocation. You need to have that data. So there's a lot of things to kind of get ready to go in order to make that happen. There are a few state examples out there who uh, are taking steps to do that well. These are groups that tend to have community foundation um, and and patient-led coalitions that form. So if somebody is really interested in seeing state-level change, seek out the coalition or start to drive the formation of a coalition of people that say, hey, here's what's happening for vision, the the visually impaired and the needs in our state. And let's start to make some differences. So bring together the the visionaries in your state. Again, a vision pun intended. Bring them together, uh, find the need, tell the story, and then start to seek the right kinds of policy and action change. Um, So that it it typically works best if it's a groundswell up. So we like an example in Ohio, we have a group of individuals that came together in Ohio's Aging Eye Public-Private Partnership. And that was driven in part by our uh, affiliate for Prevent Blindness in Ohio. And they convened a coalition from the Department of Aging, Department of Health, insurance, universities, patients, providers, to come together to say, Ohio has an aging population. There's 11 million people and about 60% are in an aging population. Uh, age 65 and older. So it's a big issue here. So 
we need to take steps to address the vision issues of that population. And how are we going to make policy changes, practice changes, get resources out there to help them? So they have made changes to um, policy and practice at the, the state level. They have developed resources. They have changed the way state departments provide information about vision, all because a group of people came together and started talking about a need. So that can happen at any state. Another example is in New York. They're taking steps to make New York a healthy aging state. So they are looking at ways that older adults can stay socially active, physically active, um, have access to medical services. And now they're starting to look at ways that they can integrate vision into these practices. So again, it's, it's an effort where people have identified an opportunity to integrate vision into what's already happening. So uh, that's my recommended approach is, you know, Get a, a group of people that are really passionate about it, come together, understand the needs and the stories, and then seek ways to integrate vision into what's happening there. And that can be practice, policy, and certainly needs to be patient-led. My MACD Life podcast is brought to you in part by Centric Bank, Healthy Vision Association, Hinkle Stein and Associates, Navaris, Regeneron, Visparo, and from anonymous donors. Well, I appreciate your saying that. I appreciate your naming New York and Ohio. I would ask you, I, I'm a person who really likes to not reinvent the wheel. So if I'm listening to this podcast, my MACD life, and I don't live in one of the best states, are there resources that I can find to say, look, look what Ohio is doing. We can do that here. Are there toolkits that will empower people? Because I know you like to empower people so that they can either get in touch with the people in Ohio or New York, or at least have access to what they're doing so they can replicate it in their state, which may be more sluggish. Yeah. Yeah, there are um, certainly a number of resources that people can look for, one of which is through our Center for Vision and Population Health, which is at Prevent Blindness. That Center for Vision and Population Health is a, a nationally led group of advisors and experts that are looking at the data that's out there, what's happening at the state level, and then providing recommended actions that people can integrate. So if you don't have a place to start, you can contact Julie at our office and ask about the Center for Vision and Population Health or go to our website, preventblindness.org, and uh, look at a number of reports, resources. There's a whole section on integrating vision and eye health with fact sheets and issue briefs and, and templates to use. Um, so we try and make it as plug and play as possible. But again, we need to make sure we understand what's happening at that state level. Because if we don't have that, that state level data, the state level story, then it's not going to matter to the policymakers that are there. So um, we'll provide the templates and the guidance, but we also want to make sure you understand what your story is locally so that you can have an impact locally. What impact has COVID-19 had on the work that you're doing and how it affects, most importantly, our listeners, the people who have low vision, their families, the caregivers? How has COVID-19 affected all of that? Well, I, I guess there's a lot of different perspectives we look at there um, for COVID-19. So organizationally, we'll start there. We were fortunate to be able to work uh, virtually 
prior to COVID. So we were in a position to kind of be ready for a time when going to the office wasn't um, recommended. So we were able to continue our services and functioning for the most part in one way or another. So since we were able to keep going, we, we've noticed that there is a, a growing need and awareness for vision since COVID occurred. Um, it's actually an issue that has made legislators pay attention to vision because COVID uh, in the realm of children's vision has increased the rate of myopia. So kids are staying inside more, doing more time with screens, having more near work, not getting outside and, and getting the, the positive impacts of the sun on their eye growth. So we're going to see a, a groundswell of myopia in younger and younger age children, because, largely driven because of COVID. Also, COVID made clear, and you've heard this time and again, that there are huge disparities in access to healthcare. So individuals who were having problems were just magnified. So those individuals that, that weren't able to access eyeglasses or eye care or vision treatments um, even became more so during the era of COVID. Um, certainly individuals that were already undergoing treatments for, say, getting injections for age-related macular degeneration had issues maintaining those injection appointments, getting to the eye doctor. If you have low vision, uh, being able to see all of the, the warning signs uh, for going to the eye doctor and doing so safely were hard to engage. So a lot of people had to forego care. So we're seeing more people with serious vision loss because of COVID. So that's certainly raising issues and stories and, and elevating need. I guess we've also seen through COVID that there's just an, an increased uh, opportunity for legislators to, to want to talk about the story about vision as a whole and overall health. So they're actually starting to, to talk about it more. So it's had a bit of a positive influence, but there's certainly been a lot of negative engagements, interactions, and, and causes of COVID to eye health that uh, I would have rather avoided. But uh, we're learning from it, as is everybody else. My MACD Life podcast is a national award winner of the STEP program for innovative macular degeneration patient education and for demonstrating a commitment to addressing the daily needs of people with age-related macular degeneration. Yeah, it sounds like you're portraying a rather bittersweet experience here in that um, people it's being spoken about more of the issues the, the flip side of that is it has exposed the differences in access, the care that people receive. And um, this this one that really surprised me was the myopia. I, mm -hmm. I had no idea about that one. Yeah, wow. that it, it kind of pushed something that was already happening to happen a little faster. Um, if you look at other countries around the world, largely the, the East Asian countries, 95 to 99% of those individuals have myopia. And it's, they've shown us that we are, as a population, shifting towards more screen use, less outdoor time, a uh, lot more near work and engagement, and, and not getting that balanced approach to overall eye health and development than what we've had in the past. So we need to, and currently there's, there is some research happening. We need more research to understand what really is the driver? Is it hereditary? Is it experience, practical experiences? What are the drivers and how can we change them? But also that means we need to be able to have 
access to care for these individuals. They're going to need to correct a refractive error that if left uncorrected, I don't know if folks know this, but myopia, if allowed to become severe, can lead to retinal detachment, uh, glaucoma, increased risk for age-related eye diseases down the road. So it's not just an issue of, oh, we need people access to a pair of glasses. This is a condition that if it starts early and if it progresses to being severe myopia over a lifetime, really can lead to a risk of vision loss and blindness down the road. So now that we'll have so many more people that have myopia um, at younger ages over a lifetime, we're really setting ourselves up for a tidal wave of vision issues down the road that right now we're not prepared for. This is fascinating to me. I'd like to have you end the discussion, perhaps on a positive note, by asking you, Kira, about um, as you as you look into the future and you think about um, what Prevent Blindness and the Support Site Foundation are both trying to do in terms of educating and advocating and empowering those who have MACD, what might you see happening in this decade or in any in any realm? You could speak mm-hmm. about any realm, but what are some some hopeful things that you see that you can share with us? Oh, gosh. There's a lot to be hopeful for. Good. Um, <laughs> there is. Good. Uh, I, I see a bright future. Um, so in the realm of treatments, we are finding fabulous new ways to treat diseases that have been untreatable for eons. Genetic therapies, as they come down the road, are just changing the lives of those who have been blind for a significantly long period of time. And there are many, many clinical trials going on right now for individuals with uh, inherited retinal diseases, even looking at age-related macular degeneration and diabetes-related eye disease. There are genetic treatments coming down the road that uh, will really have significant and quick and uh, life-changing uh, impacts. So the, the treatments that are coming are really amazing. So we need to make sure that we're, we're still able to have uh, new therapies created. I give to the Support Site Foundation because I just found out that my mom has MACD and I want to be a part of the cure. My MACD life is important to my mom and I, and we share the stories from my MACD life with each other all the time. I want to play any role that I can to help my mom and to help the people who have MACD. The Support Site Foundation is a 501c3 public charity. We rely on donations from people just like you. Any gift, large or small, it all adds up. It fuels our mission. Thank you for your money. There is a new push for more integrated healthcare, better healthcare, that I think we'll start to see vision being integrated into policies and practices in better ways. So people understand that if I have healthy vision in my patient, then they can maintain their their use of the drugs and therapies that keep them healthy. Um, They can stay in their home longer. So people are starting to pick up on the message of the importance of vision. We're seeing it integrated into more uh, government language, Healthy People 2030, grant application, call for proposals. So it's creeping in there. So I think we'll only see more of that. And then certainly the biggest change that I think all of your listeners can be a part of right now 
is just the wave of the, the patient influence in care and practice. And I can't say this enough, that there are so many different ways that people can be a part of the conversation at whatever level they're comfortable with. Um, so it might just be talking to another individual that has that same condition, be a peer-to-peer counselor. You know, there are other people out there with age-related macular degeneration that are new to this game. Maybe you have some experience. Just talking to them about your experiences, using your voice and your passion and, and what you've learned can be a huge help to individuals. And then that story can go on and, and shape other things in so many different ways from, you know, you know, how are the marketing information out to people? Um, so, you know, you can make that better, you know, make it meaningful. And, and how can individuals shape what is really happening at the policy level? And so don't be afraid to talk to those people who are making decisions because they're making them for you. So you should be a part of that. Um, so we're, we're starting to see more patient-centric approaches to everything, and that is the way it should be, and that that will be a big shift over the next five to ten years. Wow, those are really great, exciting things. And one of the things that you brought out there, Kira, is it's such a great opportunity that is presented to an individual when they may have an issue that they've been dealing with, and they can somehow contribute to making somebody else's life better Mm -hmm. because of the experience they've had. So volunteering is such a terrific thing, getting involved in the advocacy. It not only is a good thing to do, but it will help that person feel better. It'll help, you know, it's, it's good for our health. Yeah. I would say that the one thing that people get back is a sense of control when you're using your experience in some positive way, whatever you're comfortable with, you're gaining back control. And so that's the one thing that I think everybody wants to have more of. And uh, I want to encourage all of your listeners to, to gain back that control by sharing their experience in some positive way. Terrific. Well, I said that I was excited when we started and you're leaving me excited. And I think you're probably leaving a lot of the listeners, hopefully most of them excited too. Thanks for joining us today, Kira. We appreciate so much your expertise, your knowledge, the support that you have been providing through Prevent Blindness. Of course, you know, being on MyMACD Life and you're working also with the Support Site Foundation in tandem to do things that are going to help the lives of those with MACD, their caregivers, their families, and so forth. So thanks again. It was great having you on the show. Thanks for having me. And thanks to Support Site for making this partnership possible. Thanks for being with us on My MACD Life, the podcast with a vision to bring hope, optimism, perspective, and education to our listeners. For more information and many great, incredible resources, visit MyMACDLife.org. This program is supported by amazing listeners like you. Please consider a donation to keep our mission moving forward. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, keep living with hope. My MACD Life podcast is generously supported by Regeneron.